Well, we are almost there. Almost there. Almost where? Shavuot is almost upon us. We sang our 49th day Omer song. And we're all here to celebrate together. And I know you keep hearing this, but, you know, if I could, if I could watch this from behind like a two-way mirror and just watch what's happened since last night and even now, Kelly and I, if we could just sit back there, we'd probably hold hands and just weep and look at what this is and what this means. It's something that we never, ever, ever would have imagined for a Messianic Jewish synagogue in Macon. So I will say it at least one more time. Thank you for being a part of this family. But we're here for Shavuot. Uh, well, more than that, but well, Shabbat, Shavuot, as I already said, and we've come through the Omer count. So what's the logical thing to do now? Let's go all the way back to the beginning of the Omer and start right there and talk about something really, really important. Seven weeks. We're going to consider where we've come from and reflect many weeks back. Seven. Seven weeks ago, we gave up leaven. And today I want to talk about that. Leaven from heaven, seven weeks ago. Now, my friend over here, his name is Kevin. <laughs> so I wanted to take Kevin's opinion on leaven from heaven seven weeks ago. But I could only do it at a particular time. So at 11, I spoke with Kevin about leaven from heaven seven... I, I'm sorry, I had to. Seriously, though. Seriously, we are going to talk about leaven. Leaven? I came here for Shavuot. Shavuot. There you go. I finally got it. I mean, where was I? Let's, let's wave some bread loaves, man. It's Shavuot, right? Shavuot. That's what, why would we go back to be talking about matzah and, and, and unleavened? And you're right. We are here for Shavuot. But we got here by way of Passover and the Omer count. <clears throat> and so tonight was like tonight and tomorrow is sort of the, the it's the end of that story. It's the finale. It's the climax. But if we forget or misunderstand the journey then you don't get the full power out of the place you arrive, which is tonight and tomorrow, the full experience. And I hope, I hope you will have many messages from Hashem, but uh, one I really want you to have is to take home improvement, to be, to be a better you and to improve yourself through this process and journey. And we really need some improvement out there in the world. So it'd be nice if you could lend a hand doing that too. Need some kingdom mindedness out there. But it's Shavuot at Shalom. But you're not really here for a holiday. We're here because we are seekers of God. We want, we want to understand God. We want to hear God speak to us. And we want to connect. And, you know, we're here now because he said this was the day you should do it. Shavuot or Shabbat also, but it's, it's, it's an appointment. And you show up to an appointment with a purpose. You don't just randomly walk in. You show up expecting something. You want to learn something. You want to be improved, informed, told something, prepared. There's any number of reasons that you show up. And so my hope here is that that will happen for you because you've shown up to this culmination of seven weeks, this appointment. But that all started when you took your first bite of matzah. 
Who celebrated life when they got, once again, that sweet, delicious taste of matzah seven weeks ago? Only Darren Huckey raised his hand. He loves to like, he loves to chide me about not liking matzah. But the funny thing is, he's the only one who raised his hand. That's where the holiday started. Bread without leaven. And why did you do that? You did that because heaven told you not to eat leaven. And when I say heaven, I'm using one of Yeshua's famous circumlocutions for God. Leaven from heaven. You stopped eating it because God told you to eat matzah. Right? That's where it started. So we're going to back up there to get here. We're going to cover our journey as we move into Matan HaTorah, the giving of the Torah, Matan HaRuach, the giving of the Spirit that we'll celebrate later, <clears throat> and where that journey can take us. But, but here's a question. What do you really know about leaven? Seems like a, everybody is getting very excited right now about the content that's to follow, right? What do you really know about leaven? Well, I can tell you, heaven knows a lot about leaven. And one thing that God says about leaven is do not bring that anywhere close to my altar. I don't want that there. Now, there are offerings in the temple that contain leaven. How many? Anyone know? Exactly two, but they are never offered on the altar. One is the Thanksgiving offering or the Shelamim. The other is the loaves of Shavuot. Okay? <clears throat> but never on the altar. Now, that's, that, that seems sort of strange. Why is that? Well, there's more, though. Exodus 19, For seven days there shall be no dough with yeast found in your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a stranger or a native of the land, you shall not eat anything with yeast. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Cut off from your people for eating leaven or even having it? That seems strange. That's sort of strange. Why does God hate Wonder Bread so much? <laughs> He's gluten-free. <laughs> He's carb-conscious. It's, it's one of them. There, there has to be. If you really think about it, it's weird. It seems strange. Almost, you know, almost all the offerings are unleavened. It's never allowed on the altar. But that can't be about fermentation. Because wine is allowed in to the temple. I mean, into the, to the altar. Libations. If you eat leaven during Passover, you're cut off, out of there. I mean, that's a pretty big thing. You're out of the, you're out of the camp. But why? Do you know why leaven has such a bad rap? Have you ever asked yourself that question? There's a very easy answer that's drawn from a variety of sources. <clears throat> it represents sin and bad things, right? Everyone's heard this because we read it in the Gospels, we read it in the Talmud. Barachot 17a, Rabbi Alexandri prayed, he would say the following, Master of the universe, it is revealed and known before you that our will is to perform your will. What prevents us? The yeast in the dough, he says. The evil inclination that is within every person. So yeast represents bad. 
in Paul, Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven leavens, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That means bad teaching. That's bad. Leaven is bad. Yeshua, or 1 Corinthians 5, 8, let's celebrate the festival, Paul says, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with unleavened bread, which is something good, sincerity and truth. So leaven, bad rap, Yeshua, Matthew 16, when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Yeshua randomly said to them, though it was connected to bread, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What does that mean? Bad, misguided, hypocrisy, watch out for that kind of leaven. So simple enough, leaven is bad. Thanks for coming to Macon. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> It can't be. It can't be that. Because I just told you, Shavuot and the Thanksgiving offering have it. It can't just be all bad. And then there's this from the Master. Matthew 13, 33, he told them another parable. He just told them about bad leaven, right? He told them this one too. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. The kingdom is like Leaven? This is difficult to follow. It's, it's contradictory. I'm confused. Is it good or bad? The answer is yes. <laughs> to explain, we start with a simpler question. And I said, what do you know about leaven? Who really knows what leaven is? There are two terms, seor in the Torah, right? Seor, which is, uh, and chametz. We know chametz. But seor is a leavening agent. Consider sourdough, right? It's, you're not going to eat it, but that's what seor is, a leavening agent. Old dough, which has been allowed to reach this high level of fermentation, and it's not good to eat. But when you place a piece of seor, it, it, when it's kneaded with a mixture of flour and water, it accelerates this amazing process, and that end up product is called... Chametz, okay? So this is important. So to be clear, wonder bread, chametz. Matzah, unleavened. Matzah is, that's what differentiates wonder bread and matzah is the seor, the leavening agent. But yeast is not chametz, okay? We need to be very clear on this. Yeast is not chametz. Chametz is Yeast, seor, mixed with one of the five grains. How do we remember what the prohibited grains are for Passover? Browse. Barley, rye, oats, wheat, spelt. Whatever the heck spelt is. When you put yeast in it, you don't eat it during Passover. Okay? And yes, I promise you I'm going to make this more interesting than this. But you've got to get through the boring stuff to get to the good stuff. It's the product of the yeast working through the dough and eating what yeast and those five grains combined to make and during the days of unleavened bread will get you cut off. And hametz is prohibited on God's altar. Why? It still doesn't make any sense. Why? Well, here's a beautiful explanation courtesy of Rabbi Alex Israel for pointing me to this idea and this commentary of the Netziv, who is a 19th century Russian uh, Rav teacher. Matzah is simple. What is in matzah? 
flour and water. It's pretty simple. Hence the fact that Darren loves the beautiful, wonderful, complicated taste. No. It's flour and water baked into a cracker. It's very, very simple. But these are the things that heaven creates. In other words, only God can make this happen. When we take flour and water and bake it and leave town before it rises, we have very little to do with that. Man's absence is conspicuously noted in matzah. It is very simple. Flour and water. God is in charge. Hametz, on the other hand, is complex. It represents a human manipulation of the natural state of God's universe. It is human machination. And here's what I mean. We mix seor with flour and water and whatever else we want to put in, and a complicated, albeit natural, process begins. We knead the dough, roll it out, wait for the rising in this fermentation, shape it, salt it, spruce it up, and suddenly man is fully injected into this equation. We've got literally our hands all over it. He sort of, man has taken it over, and there is a very, very big difference between a piece of flat, hard matzah and a wonderfully delicious, risen challah loaf, isn't there? Matzah is simple. Bread is complicated. And the netziv sees the seor and its product, this chametz, as an expression of our interference in nature. Now, matzah is, you know, our, our man's discovery of what could happen with fermentation was miraculous. It really was. A lot of good things happened because of that. But it was a, seeing bread rise and have this happen was a, a technological breakthrough in food technology. Classic human manipulation of the elements of nature. But Judaism generally rewards our own creative power. We are encouraged to be creators, co-laborers. That's a good thing usually, but not always. Not always. Creative power is good. It's an expression of the divine nature within us. We use what God has given us to enhance this world. Hear me loud and clear. Hala is wonderful. But our creativity is not always welcomed. And this is why we do not see any chametz in the temple sacrifices. The netziv, God warns us to not use these chametz loaves or things like that in the temple because as the nearer one finds oneself to God, the less room there should be for human ingenuity and for you to establish yourself. In courtesy of Rav Israel, in a place where God's presence manifests itself most intensely in the temple, there is simply no place for man's creative spirit. You understand that? In the temple, man is dwarfed by God. The altar is no place for human food technology. We dedicate the elements of God's world, the animal, vegetable, mineral, recognizing and demonstrating God is the source of all of them. Chametz, the outcome of human manufacture, has no place on the altar of God. It would be presumptuous. There's one answer to why 
leaven. Chametz is not a part of the temple. It makes sense, a lot of sense, and I love it. But what does that have to do with Passover? Why don't we eat chametz on Passover? That's far away from the temple for most of us, even in, in Israel. But, you know, if someone did, they're cut off. And, and, and what would any of this seven weeks since leaven from heaven have to do with Shavuot? Well, this is the really beautiful part. Matzah represents simplicity. Yes, flour, water, sustenance. And as I said, the things that heaven creates, only God can make this happen. In other words, if God doesn't provide the seeds, there's no wheat. If he doesn't provide the soil, the sun, the nutrients, the rain, there is nothing. God acts alone to bring out those things. Creative ingenuity, it's welcomed. But we can't do anything without God's initial provision. God, in so many cases in your life, is acting alone. You have nothing to do with it. Waking up and breathing, that's why we say, thank you, God, for restoring the soul within me. Now, I want you to transfer that, though, to the Exodus story. And I want you to answer this question, these questions. What ingenious plan did Israel concoct to be released from slavery? What team of, of uh, aquatic engineers developed the turbine fan tunnel thing that would spread the Red Sea so that they could walk through? Where did Israel factor into making those miracles happen? Who convinced? What miraculous plan did the mind of man hatch to create those plagues that convinced Pharaoh to let our people go? Mo Moses, Eleazar, Shmulek, Ben-Chaim, which one of the great Jews there crafted those plans? No one. God acted alone. Passover is the story of God acting alone. There is no room for us, for our influence, for our action. Our involvement is not really needed. And furthermore, to answer my question, since no one did, no one could have done anything. As a matter of fact, we read on in Exodus and it says, Stand by and witness the deliverance which the Lord will work for you this day. For the Egyptians that you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will battle for you. Hold your peace. Do you see the direction I'm headed here and the connection between these things? As Rav Israel pointed out, we stood still and God saved the day. Man had no part in those miracles of the Exodus. We therefore commemorate this momentous event by refraining from contact with chametz, which represents human manipulation, even of our most basic commodity, the bread we eat. We proclaim that the essence of our being comes directly and completely from God, but there's a much more powerful addition to that for everyone in this room who is a disciple of Yeshua. Because guess what? The story is exactly the same. Romans, for while we were still weak, at the right time, God died for the ungodly, or man, Messiah died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, he goes on to say. And then, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord, Messiah Yeshua, through whom we have received reconciliation. What did you do for it, Cody? What'd you do? What'd you earn? What'd you contribute? Nothing. You may have said a prayer, you may have had some belief that this happened, but ultimately, really, your salvation, you had nothing to do with it. Yeshua paid it all, as they say in the song, or something like that. It's a hymn, right? <clears throat> we influenced it. It was done for us, done out of love, but while we are still weak, that means while we were still trying to figure out what the heck was going on, God showed up and moved. And that was actually where this journey started seven weeks ago. Should have started right there. At a place of absolute and utter helplessness humility and gratitude for the gifts that God has bestowed upon you, not just in salvation, but in your daily life. That's the lesson that this seven weeks ago started with. That's part of what leaven represents, is our desire to always get in there and say, I can do it. I got this. I hate that phrase. I, I got this. There's so many things you don't got and you give the impression that you do and you end up somewhere horribly off track from where God wanted you to go because you didn't have it and thought you did. So you remove yourself from the equation as the starting point of this journey up this mountain, up this ascent to where we find ourselves today. You are, I just... I just I don't want to be mean, and I should put a little mirror here. That would make it seem less mean. You are nothing without God. I don't mean you're a trash heap, hunk of junk, thrown on the pile, none of that. That's not what I mean. I mean God is your provider. And, and, and you know... Ask, ask this question. Why was the person who ate hamets or even had it in the camp during Passover cut off? Because he had no humility. He had no gratitude. He had no recognition of God and what God said and what God had done. And that's not someone you want in your camp because eventually, whether it's this thing or some other, they are going to say, I don't need him, I got it. And when you know somebody needs him and they say, I got it, cut them off and run. No, just kidding. Like, help them. But, but people who want to inject themselves over God, you should watch out for that. But that's why you don't want that guy in your camp. He, he, he just eventually, he was a problem waiting to happen. And that's why we... Hold the chametz on Passover, humility, gratitude. And that's a pretty big accomplishment for a flat, tasteless cracker, isn't it? Because that's what it is. That flat, tasteless cracker never tasted so good when you understand that the taste is... Oh. 
Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for everything, for never forgetting me, for always knowing. And I'm eating this because I am full of humility and full of gratitude for you. But wait. With all of that said, those Corinthians, Galatians, scriptures, all of this, the yeast in the dough, how could it ever be that it ends up being good to have leaven in our loaves? Especially on Shavuot, the giving of the Ten Commandments, the giving of the Holy Spirit, how? Where does that factor in? Heaven changed his mind over seven weeks about leaven? Probably not. I'll remind you. You've been on a 49-day journey, an ascent. I gave a message this week, this year, called Passover Begins with Shame. That's down here when you're nibbling on your unleavened cracker. It's not shame. Humility and gratitude. And then the next day, remember we, we counted the Omer. What was the Omer message about? Gratitude. Understanding God is the provider of all. We just kept going. And whether you missed a day or not, I don't care. There was a spiritual journey, something happening inside of you over these days. If you were even in tune with it at all, it was happening. And so now through the introspection and contemplation of the days of the Omer, we've changed too. And Shavuot loaves have leaven, and it's very, very significant why they do and what we celebrate. And tonight, in part two, I'll tell you why. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat.